Hello, and welcome to the Astrology Hub podcast. My name's Amanda Poole Walsh, and I'm the founder of Astrology Hub. And today we're featuring a guest that I would venture to say has the most fascinating and unusual start with astrology that I have ever heard. And now that's saying a lot, as I've heard a lot of astrologers' stories about their journey to astrology, but I really think that this one takes the cake. So last week at the end of the episode with Patricia Walsh, I gave you a little homework assignment. I invited those of you who don't know your moon's nodes to look them up and have them handy for today's show. The reason why I invited you to do this is because Sabrina goes through each of the possible positions and goes into some details about what they mean and how they may be manifesting for you today. I was blown away by the insights that she provided. They were right on. And I found that this is the power of the moon's nodes. It's a relatively simple point to understand, but the lessons it yields are endless. So if you don't know your nodes yet, I highly encourage you to pause this episode and go find out. You can simply go to Google and just type in your birthday in the search bar and then the words moon's nodes and you'll see countless articles and tables that will tell you what your moon's nodes are. You don't even have to know your birth time or location. So this is a simple and elegant place to start if you're new to astrology and it can get increasingly complex the deeper you dive into astrology, but it doesn't have to start there in order to be powerful and revealing and useful. I think you're going to love this episode. And before we dive in, I'd love to do a listener shout out. I love doing this. I love engaging with you guys. This one goes to Young Knowledge. And he or she says, I'm not sure if it's a boy or a girl, love, love, love the Astrology Hub podcast. If you were to ask me which episode was my favorite, I couldn't tell you. They're all so powerful and you can just feel the positive energy. I also love the idea of it being a hub because the special guests all have something insanely important to teach, yet still tying in astrology. I wish there was a share to all contacts button. I love this. Thank you so much. You know, when we chose the name Astrology Hub, I didn't realize how much I too would love being the hub. I had no idea how many incredible perspectives there would be to share. And yet, I am continually blown away that it just doesn't seem to end, that there's no shortage of amazing content and people and perspectives to share with you. And to your wish that there was a share to all contacts button, you know that you can actually share podcast episodes. I know you said that you can't choose your favorite, which is so sweet, but if you do like certain episodes, and I know this is true when you're listening to the podcast on an iPhone, not sure about other platforms, but you can just hit the three little dots in the bottom right-hand corner and a menu will pop up. And share episodes is one of the options in that menu. And I always love when my friends share their favorite podcast episodes with me, especially when they tell me why they love it and why they think I'll love it. So maybe you can try that next time. All right. Without further ado, I'm excited to introduce you to Sabrina Monarch. Sabrina has worked with hundreds of clients, taught online intensives, graduated from a master's program in philosophy, cosmology, and consciousness, and recently started a podcast called Magic of the Spheres. And this is available wherever you tune into your podcast. And then you get to hear about her beautiful journey right here in the beginning of the episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Sabrina Monarch, it is wonderful to have you here today for your Astrology Hub debut on the Astrology Hub podcast. Welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here. 
Awesome, Sabrina. So this is our first opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. Can you tell us how you came to astrology and how you became an astrologer? Yes. So I was into astrology since I was a kid, and I never wondered if it was real or not. I just always thought that it was. And I would read my like everything I could find in the Barnes and Noble aisle and like on cafeastrology.com. And when I was 21, I was looking at my transits. I didn't totally understand how to look them up. So it was a little bit kind of haphazard, if you will. But I knew that I had a Jupiter transit. And so based on my research, I was expecting a really massive opportunity. And I was in college and I had this dream this one morning of waking up inside of a cloud and it felt like there were these elders and that I was about to be bestowed this kind of advancement in life. And when I woke up, I just had the word Jupiter on my tongue and that was the message of the dream. And so that day there were a series of magical synchronicities and I ended up at my friend's birthday party late and there were no seats left at her table. And so I sat down at the table next to them where this man was sitting and I really wouldn't have talked to him had it not been for someone to my right whispering over to me, that man is weird. He speaks in accents. I've seen him here before. And so I was curious. So I started to chat him up. And as we're talking, I start to notice that he has a stack of books and one of them says astrology. And so I asked him if he was into astrology and he looks at me dead serious and says, I'm Jupiter. And so I had been waiting to meet Jupiter, so to say it was a meditation. Oh my God. Right? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, and it gets, you know, like he ends up being this ex-CIA agent. So he's this kind of wild man. And he's offered to teach me anything I want to know about magic and spycraft even. And so I was just like, you know what? Yes, this is the most exciting thing that has ever happened to me. And so I started hanging out with him. And I had this experience of being mirrored really deeply. Like I felt more seen than I ever had been in my life, uh, more understood because I was hanging out with an ex-spy, so he had this way of seeing through people. And I started to remember things about my childhood, like all kinds of memories, and felt really activated and really alive, and I was having all these wild dreams. And so I started to act kind of erratically. I got in touch with parts of myself that I just hadn't been in touch with for a long time. And my parents were really concerned and had wanted me to see a psychiatrist. And so I basically was in trouble at that point. It was a manic episode, basically, they thought I was having, and I felt that I was having a spiritual awakening, that I was having difficulty integrating. And so during this time period where I couldn't really argue my way out of the situation, I tried to explain my side of the story, but the things that came out of my mouth only made me sound more mentally unstable in the perspective of the psychiatrist or my family. And so I started getting deeper into astrology by myself to try to make sense of why have I incarnated into this family that thinks that I'm insane when I'm having a spiritual awakening? And why does this system think that I'm delusional? Because I started to experience animal totems and magic and synchronicity. And I was really, you know, it was a really rough time in my life. I didn't know if I was ever going to have a good life again. I was really scared that I would be just kind of marginalized for my whole life. Um, 
And so I got a reading from an evolutionary astrologer to get perspective on, you know, why is this happening? Like, why am I stuck at home trying to convince the people around me that I'm sane? And I got a really insightful reading that gave me faith and hope. And I knew that I had to study this system of astrology because similar to having spent time with this spy, the evolutionary astrologer could see me and he didn't know me. He just knew all these things about my soul and was saying them back to me. And so I ended up studying with this astrologer when I was back um, in college and out of this you know, difficult experience. And I started to realize that I could form my own astrological interpretations and could feel the planets. And so I started a blog and started writing about astrology. And then it has turned into a client practice, um, as well as teaching astrology. Wow, Sabrina, that is an amazing story. And I'm sure so many people can resonate with that because the spiritual awakening experience is that way where it just all of a sudden you seem like you're going crazy and everybody else is wondering what's going wrong with you. What do you think contributed to your ability to realize that you, what was happening to you was a good thing, that you weren't going crazy and that maybe the rest of the system or the rest of the people around you were the ones that you know, were having crazy belief systems? How, how did you stay in that, in that place? Yeah, so I was feeling really happy and really alive. I felt happier than I'd ever felt in my life. And I was a little bit extreme about it, like calling people up in the middle of the night to tell them my spiritual revelations or like sending everyone I knew a book of poetry that I'd written. So I was a little bit on, you know, off the wall, so to say. But also, when I would hang out with this spy, he told me stories about all these magical things that had happened in his life. And he talked about how the kind of mental health system um, name calls people, that there's a lot of magical phenomenon and magical people who get pathologized um, in the psychiatric world. So I had already been kind of prepared for that. And after this experience blew up and I was in trouble in the way that I was, I realized that I had to learn boundaries that, you know, I'm allowed to have peak experiences. Like I felt like I was getting in trouble for being too happy. And the model was bipolar where it's like, you're going to have these highs and lows. And it occurred to me that I can get as high and as ecstatic as I want. But when I'm in that state, I just have to act responsibly and maybe keep a lid on it around people that don't understand it, but that it's not wrong that I have this experience. And the dreams that I was having and these synchronicities just felt so personal that it was like the universe was talking to me and it occurred to me that you're not really allowed to think that way, that the people who were you know, saying that I had some kind of illness, it's like they didn't have room in their treatment. The psychiatrist, it's like he wasn't coming from a spiritual or a holistic perspective. He was coming from the perspective that none of this exists and that we may as well be on a lifeless rock hurling around a star that has no meaning. And so it just occurred to me that, you know, this is kind of like a, a battle in worldviews and that I was getting in touch with a power conflict um, more than a truth one, it seemed. And how is your family with you now? Has there been a, a, a turnaround? Oh, yeah, they're great. And they've been so supportive of my astrology career. It took some years, I think, to heal the relationship because I, for a few years, I pretended that I was on medications because I didn't want the drama. I didn't want to get in trouble, um, but I was not taking the medications. 
um, that they had wanted me to take. So, you know, over time, like my mom even said something recently to me where she was like, you know, Sabrina, if I had known that maybe you could have seen a shaman or some kind of spiritual practitioner, I would have sent you there. But I knew you were having a personal emergency and it seemed like you needed to see a psychiatrist. And I think that they were just so scared and they didn't understand what was happening. So they just did what they thought was right, but they've adjusted. Wow. So this was an awakening. This was a Jupiter experience for all of you. It wasn't just a Jupiter experience for you. Yeah. And it was also a Pluto one. I had Pluto square my son and Uranus approaching my son. So. Ah, okay. Awesome. Okay. So Sabrina, what do you, what do you, so you're practicing evolutionary astrology now. So Sabrina, do you find yourself in your practice now working with a lot of people going through similar transitions to yours or like who do you, who's your, your clientele at this point? Every now and then I get people who are going through something really big, but a lot of people that I work with are just people who have a relationship with the unseen or maybe they have some kind of clairvoyant ability that is just starting to show itself. But definitely there's someone who has had experiences that maybe are not considered normal um, or mainstream. But yeah, that I think that for evolutionary astrology, it draws in people who want to dive deep and who maybe want to know how they can alter their own life. So it's not a matter of like, you know, when is this thing going to happen for me? But it's like, how can I resolve some of my deep subconscious blocks to help move forward um, in the way that I would like to? And do you combine more of like a coaching or a psychology practice with your astrology? Definitely. Yeah. I see all the archetypes as having a spectrum. And so I like to help people move from like the lower octave or lower expressions of the archetypes up to the higher ones. And how do we do that? You know that I know we, we would all be interested in expressing the highest qualities of, of our chart, you know, of our, the different signatures in our chart. How do you help people move through that process? Yeah, I think part of it is education. So having a more holistic or expansive perspective of all the archetypes. So that's what I really attempt to do with my astrology teaching. And then when it comes to working with clients, I think a lot of it is reframing things. Like there's a way that we tell stories to ourselves. And so finding a more life enhancing narrative for ourselves and, um, the ways that we might be judging ourselves or holding ourselves back with our thoughts, it can be some of that thought work of having more compassionate and expansive perspectives. And as an evolutionary astrologer, how do you see the soul's journey through time? And, and how do you see uh, connecting with the past in terms of our soul incarnation? How does that help us heal or evolve in the present? Hmm, I love that. So, The soul is this being that has incarnated from life to life and will most likely incarnate again after this incarnation. So there's the ego who is our identity in this life. Um, Like my ego in this life is Sabrina and my soul, however, is more than Sabrina. And working with evolution in this life is kind of harmonizing the ego with the soul And so finding out how, and you can see this in the natal chart with the evolutionary astrology techniques, like what have been the soul's patterns in prior lives? And this will result in certain talents and gifts and affinities for a person in this life, but it also has certain blind spots. Like for example, if someone has a lot of warrior karma or like a lot of Aries kind of concentration in prior lives, they may kind of be set up in a certain way that they view things in this life like a fight or like a threat. And that if they develop the more Libran qualities, which is the opposite archetype to Aries, 
such as harmony and um, cooperation and relationship that they might experience expansion in this life because they can basically, I guess another way of putting this too is that I think of the ego like a house or a car and it's the soul that is residing in the house of our ego or driving the car of our ego. And doing work with evolutionary astrology is about loosening up some of the more stagnant things in our past, these patterns that we just keep repeating over and over again, and often patterns that repeat themselves um, or perpetuate the very consequences that we don't want to have, such as, for example, if someone has an issue with dependency, they're so terrified of being abandoned that they're very clingy. They tend to get abandoned even more because their clinginess repels people. And so it's kind of about editing some of the personality structures that might be inhibiting the soul, as well as adding in things in our lives, um, whether that's our personality or circumstances that we bond with, opportunities that we seek out, um, so that we can have a more expansive experience as a soul within this current avatar that we're living out. You know, my first astrology reading, which brought me into the whole world of astrology, was from an evolutionary astrologer, Natasha Alter. And understanding the south and north node in the way that you just described, because of course, yes, I have Aries south node and a Libra north node, is almost like a backdrop to my entire life. You know, as things happen in my life that I, like you said, that we don't want to perpetuate, it's so helpful to be able to look at that south node and see where am I too attached to my independence? Where, like you just said, where Am I viewing life as a fight? How can I bring more harmony and teamwork and partnership in? And, and how will that expand my life experience? It's, it's such a beautiful focal point in terms of growth throughout our lives. So I'm wondering if you could just go through the South and North Node progressions and give people some highlights of the major soul themes they might be working on. And for those of you who don't know how to find your South and your North Node, it is by like cohort or group. So you could go online and put your birth date in and then find and put your birth date in and then find just write like North Node or South Node and you'll be able to find your categorization. Um, so that would, would probably help you for the rest of this conversation if you don't know what it is. But Sabrina, can, we just did a little highlight on um, Aries South Node, Libra North Node. Can you go through the rest of them, please? Yes, I'd be so excited to do that. So to flip it then to Libra being the South Node, this would be a person who has already really developed relational skill sets, and they're here to develop their independence or their will um, or their self-assertion. And I've actually often seen in this signature when someone has a North Node in Libra um, or North Node in Aries, sorry, or North Node in the first house, the Aries ruled house, that they grow up with maybe a sibling that's a bully and they have this past life tendency to want to harmonize and make nice, but there's a very aggressive person in their field and they have to learn how to fight back. For Taurus South Node and Scorpio North Node, this would be someone who has a lot of self-containment, has really developed their self-value. They may have a sense of wanting to hold on to things. Um, Taurus can be possessive of things. Um, and then to move into Scorpio, that would be about forming energetic bonds with others. And so Taurus, things are very simple. Things don't get complicated because I have my things, I have my life, and I'm all set. And Scorpio invites the entanglements that we have when we have deep, intense, intimate bonds with other people. And so moving into learning how to trust and collaborate with others. 
if you have Scorpio as the south node and Taurus as the north node, then this is someone who is already probably pretty entangled, um, lots of intense relationships, and sometimes a more difficult sense of knowing what is really theirs. What do they really have ownership over because they're so entangled with all these other circumstances and people. And so working with Taurus would be about finding that self-containment um, and that self-esteem that allows them to be more intentional about forming energetic bonds. And for a Gemini South Node, Sagittarius North Node, um, this would be someone who has picked up a lot of perhaps random experiences. They kind of just go with the flow, something interesting happens, and oh, there's this another other interesting over there, let me do that. And so they're very opportunistic and able to have a wide variety of experiences, but they lack focus or kind of like a philosophical umbrella to hold all their experiences in. They may be scatterbrained. Um, they may also have picked up a lot of data through Gemini, and now they have this capacity to maybe teach Sagittarius um, to put it into a cohesive philosophical or cosmological system. And then to reverse that, if someone's coming from Sagittarius and moving into Gemini, um, they may be perhaps rigid in their philosophy. They have a certain belief system or a certain religion. And adding in Gemini would be just having new experiences um, that allows them to see the world from a different perspective instead of that, you know, very clear cut bow and arrow, I know exactly where I'm going or what I believe in, um, to mutate the path a little bit and to collect some new data. Cancer South Node, so that's me actually, North Node in Capricorn. This could be someone who is really familiar with family and from getting their needs met from family. And they've really experienced a lot of safety and a lot of being taken care of perhaps and even being nurturing and taking care of others. And they may be natural therapists, natural caretakers. And by moving into Capricorn, this person is developing more boundaries and more authority. It's like, you know, I've had this experience um, throughout my life of moving more into the Capricorn North Node is experiencing myself as a professional and realizing the ways that I may have subconsciously deferred to other people where it's like you lead, you know, you know what you're doing. Like I'm just going to follow. Capricorn is developing that authority. Um, and certainly too with boundary, like as an astrologer providing counsel to other people, that now has a container. Whereas before I found my work as an astrologer, I felt like people were always coming to me with their problems, but it felt very diffused um, and not, you know, what is it doing? What's my purpose? What's my job? So moving into Capricorn is creating those boundaries and structures. Someone with a south node in Capricorn, north node in Cancer, so moving toward the Cancer from Capricorn, would have this natural sense of boundariness. And they may be very kind of restrictive of their own emotional life. Like they may have a life out in the public, um, be very successful in their career, but have not as developed an inner life. Um, maybe they've repressed it a lot. So Capricorn, south node, Cancer, north node is moving into more emotional intelligence. Um, getting in touch with their feelings, which can help to their work in the world because at an extreme with Capricorn, they might be doing something for a job that they hate or they don't even resonate with or they don't recognize themselves when they look in the mirror, um, like they're so in their public figure. And then Leo South Node, Aquarius North Node, this would be someone who has a lot of experience being perhaps a performer or the center of attention. They have ego structures around being very important and being very special and being very aware of their own special purpose. 
And to move more into the Aquarius, they're learning about how they are a star among stars, that other people are also the center of their own realities. So this soul might have a lot of experiences that push them to be more objective, get a little bit more outside of themselves, see something from a communal or a holistic or a humanitarian perspective. And likewise, someone with Aquarius South Node, Leo North Node, I think of this nodal axis kind of like a sports game and someone on the bench. So the athlete in the game or on the bench watching the game. The Leo side of us is in the game, but when we get to Aquarius, we're on the bench and we're watching the game and we're gaining data. We're like scientists who are viewing an experiment from the outside. And so someone with Aquarius South Node may have a lot of experience of being detached, and this has given them a lot of intelligence and a lot of insight as to how things work. But they're having to learn in this life about how to step into the game and become part of the equation um, and connect with their special purpose within the whole. And then Pisces, or no, Virgo South Node, Pisces North Node. This can be someone who is so familiar with the the Virgo place in life, so the physical, the earthy, and they may be very organized, sometimes controlling in a sense because they want everything to be a certain way um, so that it's clean and organized, basically. Whereas Pisces is this magical side of life and the unseen realm and faith. And so moving into Pisces is about starting to form a relationship with magic or God or prayer, um, the things that can't really be seen and measured like Virgo can. And this can also be about building a relationship to spirit at all. Sometimes people with Virgo South Node are not very spiritual, but they have more of an earthbound energy to them. And likewise, someone with the South Node in Pisces North Node and Virgo may be so oceanic and so all over the place in their mystical experiences that they've failed to really show up to the mundane world, or failed is a a strong word, Um, but that they have difficulty with the mundane world, difficulty with being organized or doing things on time. And there can be an escapism tendency with Pisces. You know, you want to live in this beautiful enchanted world all the time. You don't want to clean your house or pay the bills. But moving into the Virgo is learning about how to set up life almost like feng shui or something to alter the physical um, or pay attention to our health such that more grace from Pisces can flow through. I think that's all of them. Mm, Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, Sabrina, that is so helpful. And as you go through those, those archetypes and the the soul journey for those different nodal placements. I know people with them and it's it resonates so deeply. Like it's just so spot on. So for me, whenever I hear about the nodes, it's like, God, they're so helpful. If you only know about that in astrology, that one thing will already help you so much. So thank you for going through all of the the different placements. And hopefully for those of you who don't know yours, that you're doing a little bit of research right now and finding out what, what, uh, what your soul's path is in this journey. And of course, it can get a lot more complicated than that, but that was a really nice highlight reel, Sabrina. Thank you. So we're, we're going into you know, getting closer to the end of 2019 and moving into 2020. I'm curious to hear your take on 2020 and some of the, the major transits that are going to be happening and how you feel we can prepare body, mind, and spirit for some of the changes that are coming our way. Yes. So 2020 has the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn that a lot of people have been talking about. And it's a transit that there's a little bit of 
I guess, anticipation for, um, because Saturn and Pluto are really, they're heavyweights. Saturn relates to mortality and responsibility and inevitability, um, things like on a personal level, aging and just the various challenges that we come through in life and have to face. But on a collective level, it's like our governments and our structures and the kinds of consequences that those structures engender. Something like how public schools were developed at a certain moment in time that had something to do with maybe like factory styles or something, and how those structures or those bones are still in public schooling, we're still being conditioned through these structures. And when they stop working, or things start to not go as intended, or we experience the failure side of Saturn, we kind of have to step back and assess and come up with new ways of doing things. And that is a very challenging thing for that archetype, especially if things have always been done a certain way. And then Pluto is about transformation and life, death, rebirth. And Pluto is in Capricorn, the sign that Saturn rules. They're both in the sign of Capricorn. And Pluto in Capricorn is also the natal placement of the U.S.'s birth chart um, from July 4th, 1776. And so the U.S. is going through a Pluto return that won't even, it won't exact by 2020, but it will be very close. And so there's been this kind of tilling the soil or going deep into like, what's the corruption? Like what's not working about the world anymore? And individuals are kind of having to step up to the plate. You know, Saturn Pluto can have this um, vibe or this feeling to it. Like we're going through a dark tunnel and we don't know if we're going to make it out. Like there's this harrowing kind of energy to it. Um, And that can be our fear around the climate. Like, is the world going to end? You know, that being very up for the collective. And there's something, you know, if we think the world's going to end, we might be like, well, whatever, I'm just going to enjoy my life while I can and give up. Or we can really put our heart into it and be like, what am I called to do? Like, what am I here to do on this planet? And so Saturn Pluto can really be that call to responsibility where we discover things might not be ideal. Things might be difficult or challenging. Maybe I wish they were a different way, but these are the limitations. These are the constraints that we're working with. And how can I step up to the plate? I think that this happened, for example, after the election with Trump, where a lot of people kind of came out of the woodwork. They were like, I've been quiet. I've just kind of been on the sidelines. And now I see that my messages that I have about gender equality, you know, matter. I need to step up and share this, Um, things like that. And so everyone has their own individual calling, that thing that really grips them and that they feel an ethical imperative towards. And so I think that this time period is about um, working with that. And also it's about being very um, taking accountability for the shadow, which means not just projecting the shadow or not projecting evil um, onto others of the world, but taking stock of what attachments, what entanglements do I have with those energies and how can I heal myself to heal the world and not just try to control things outside of me. Um, So Pluto Saturn can really bring people in touch with their shadow in a more like Saturn here it is in your face kind of way. And so I think that this would be a great time for people to go to therapy or see healers and like really take, put value in their personal development and like their deep inner work during this time. So Sabrina, it sounds like you're seeing this as, as really a very empowering time for us. I mean, it's all the transits can be empowering and 
there's a way to really like when we're looking at transits to project our fear and anxiety onto them and imagine the worst possible case scenario. But I feel like with astrology, one of the greatest opportunities of it is to know these archetypes in a very multivalent, very vast way and highlight their potentials and their opportunities so that we can activate them like a participatory practice. Mm, Very good. So Sabrina, for those who would love to learn more about you and your work and maybe even get a reading with you, um, how would you recommend that they get in touch with you? They can go to my website, monarchastrology.com, and that's where people can book readings with me. I also write weekly astrology forecasts with that kind of multivalent, here's the opportunities of the week perspective, um, and I have a mailing list so people can get them directly. And I also teach online intensive courses to give people a personal astrology practice, help them connect to evolutionary astrology at a deep level. And the next course will probably be coming out in the fall, late fall or winter of end of 2019, beginning of 2020 time period. So if you go to my website, um, there should be information about that there. And I also like to connect people on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. Wonderful. Sabrina, thank you so much for being with us here today. It's been fascinating to learn about your journey and your perspective on the soul. And I just want to thank you for being here and for sharing all of your experiences with us. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a great time. Pretty cool stuff, right? Did your nodal description resonate? Could you see the truth in the descriptions for those in your life? Luckily, this podcast episode is now permanently here. So if you want to look up your friends and family and then come back and listen again, you always can. And for the next two weeks, we're going to be taking a little in-breath here at Astrology Hub. I'm going to be traveling and I wanted to give our team a little bit of a break. So instead of airing new episodes on Thursday, we'll actually be replaying you two of our staff picks, our favorite episodes. Of course, you'll get your weekly forecast in the beginning of the week as always, and these are new and freshly recorded But we thought we'd use this time to re-feature two of our favorite episodes with updated intros, and I just really think you're going to love them. Next week, you're going to hear from our very own modern-day wizard, Rick Levine. This episode is so flipping amazing. I'd recommend coming with your journal or notebook so you can take notes. I literally have pages of notes and I'm, I re-listened to it. I was in the first interview. I re-listened to it and I took tons of notes. I think you're really going to love it. And the following week, you'll have an opportunity to get more intimate with our newest forecast co-host, Stormy Grace. We're going to re-air her episode for you where she talks about her journey to astrology and her viewpoint on the soul. And it is so, so good. She is such a doll. I love her. <laughs> So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast now if you haven't already so you know when these episodes are released. And in the meantime, I hope that you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us. We so appreciate you. Thank you for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life. I'll catch you on the next episode. Relationships, putting your dreams into action, your ideal career path, What themes are up for you to explore this coming month? Find out now by downloading Astrology Hub's free lunar cycle calendar for next month. The calendar gives you details on the upcoming week's cosmic curriculum, including the theme, mantras, daily aspects, and journal prompts you can use to work with the energy. Just go to astrologyhub.com slash calendar to get your free lunar cycle calendar now. That's astrologyhub.com slash calendar. 
Hi, this is Chris Kaplan, the producer of the Astrology Hub podcast. This episode is over, but check the show notes for links to products and services you've heard about during this episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please subscribe and rate using the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts.